Hi, Philip Crocker from the Alongside a Podcast. Really pleased to introduce our final guest for January, Douglas McCormack, the turnaround specialist. I know you're going to find uh, this useful. If you're stepping into senior shoes uh, and are looking for an alongsider, somebody to be alongside you as you co-create strategy, form your team and execute it, I don't think I could ask uh, for anybody uh, better alongside me or any of us in those shoes uh, than Douglas McCormack. I uh, hope you enjoy it and uh, let me know any feedback that you have about it. Uh, that will be really useful as well. Thanks very much indeed. Take care. Bye. Hello there and welcome to the Alongsider uh, podcast, uh, finding your place and taking your place. And uh, and I really am delighted to, to welcome uh, Douglas McCormick. Uh, who has been a supporter of mine, actually, um, in a number of uh, circumstances quite recently. So we've only recently got to know each other. So I'm even more delighted to have a chance to actually get him to know a bit better and to introduce him to you and to a new audience in this context. So without any more ado, um, uh, Douglas, if somebody was going to introduce you, um, perhaps what might they say? Um it's interesting because I, I, knowing that you would ask me that, I've struggled to think of what would the answer, um, and I'm not sure. But but I've had a change of circumstances recently, and um, lots of folk that I was involved with have written and said, um, you know, you made a huge difference. You you were, um, I've been called an inspirational leader. I was called a charismatic statesman. Um, I generally, I'm just a bloke doing a job. And my job may be different and have different responsibilities to other people uh, in whatever context we're talking about. But at the end of the day, I'm just a bloke doing a job. Uh, and I think the highest calling you can have in life is to be a decent human being, Philip. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, so um, whilst I would struggle to, to voice what others have said, because sometimes I feel slightly embarrassed by some of the things they say about me, they say other things too, but I won't use them on this call. Um, uh, that, that's what I would say in answer to that, I think. Mm. Well, okay. Well, I, I'll say it then, because um, what I have experienced of you uh, is um, we're, we're using the Enneagram as just another little thread to add through this. Uh, and I, I know you haven't officially done yours, um, but I, uh, with some of the people you've asked me to support within uh, the business that we were um, sort of associated with, um we have and you, you've got a sense of what it is um just for a quick reminder um the enneagram three thousand years of observation of people it seems there's nine different motivations for using our energy um probably the nearest thing akin to that is personality we're all different we know that and our motivation is different um and i think the purpose of using this as a uh as part of any getting to know someone and particularly in the context of doing a job, getting a job done, is is recognizing that what motivates you doesn't necessarily motivate the other person, and what looks like a turn off isn't anything other than a don't get it. You know, I don't you know trigger with. And we've all got different triggers. We've all got different things that we're really looking after. But uh, without going through it all, uh, I did a little intro at the, in the introductory section. So if you want to know more, um, just go to the second podcast, which uh, I explained a bit more about Enneagram. But um, there's a seven, which is an enthusiastic mm -hmm. visionary. Um, and, and I may be wrong, but I suspect that, that um, Douglas McCormack is, a, is an enthusiastic visionary. These are people who are looking forward. Um, they've got a sense of um, what could be possibilities. Um, ultimately, as they get their act together, and Douglas certainly has got his act together, they find their joy from within. Uh, and that my sense with you is about helping people grow and flourish. And I'm not giving you a line there, but I, I believe that's something that's core to you and something that sort of sets your heart on fire. And it's really core to that type, actually. But you've got access to all sorts of other things as well. But the one thing that's typical of a seven is that they like an upbeat, um, enthusiastic sort of culture, can-do culture, 
and and an appetite for change and shift uh not 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 to destroy the whole thing but to help the thing grow shake it up a bit um i don't know how that resonates with you as a thought uh, well you know the, the the intriguing thing always about psychometrics is how accurate that they are really i am an enthusiastic visionary i like change i like people um you know, I've never got upset when people have left organizations where I work, so long as they leave better than when they arrived. Mm. Uh, and, um, you know, part of the joy of life is the interaction with other people, whether that's uh, at home or at work or at play or in whatever context you want. Uh, and the understanding that it's possible for you and me as an individual to add value to people. Mm. Um and I'm absolutely of the view that pessimists should never run organizations. Um, be, be, because actually, you, you need to have a vision and a, you need to be able to see creatively where what you have can go. Uh, and that no matter where you are in your personal life or in your working life or whatever context you want, um, where you are is not a destination. Mm -hmm you're not obliged to stay where you are. Um, you may well, you know, lift your head and start to look and see what could be. And, and the, the other side of that coin is you then have to take responsibility for that because you have to do something uh, to make it happen. And, and throughout my career, um, throughout my working life, throughout my life, um, I've always uh, I've picked things that are difficult to do because um, I like the challenge, mm. but also, too, because there's a tangible benefit in seeing something that wasn't as optimal as it could have been becoming more optimal, mm. never perfect, mm. um, but uh, that you make things better than they were in all sorts of circumstances, I think, is part of the great fun of life. Mm. No, I think that's really fascinating. Funny enough, today I was talking to somebody uh, in Holland um, and uh, she's in uh, advertising creative um, services. And she was quoting one of her great heroes, uh, which is a guy called Bruce Mao, that's M-A-U, who is one of the world's foremost designers, creative designers. And his mantra is that everything is designed. Yeah. And not everything is designed very well. <laughs> that's the bad news the really good news and this is a total binary but 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 and it's not really because it's an and rather than an or and the good news is you can redesign it yeah and i and he's thinking in that whole creative but i but in a sense that's what i just heard you say yeah but you know people a lot of people have either or thinking you know it has to be this or that um and when you discover both and thinking um to realize that actually you're, you're not stuck with binary decisions. And um, if you can think beyond uh, either or and get into both and, um, then suddenly you become much freer in your thinking and much more creative in your thinking uh, mm. and allows you to do things. So I generally think in three parallel lines. So everything, I like threes. Mm. Um, you know, I deal with today, what's on my plate now. I'm thinking about tomorrow and and how you go from today to tomorrow uh, and actually then the third power line is what what does it look like in two years time and um and you can apply that kind of thinking it's a bit like right, right to left thinking where do i want to be and how do i get there from where i am um but but the more you begin to open your mind to the possibilities and considering those things then um much better uh, and I got that because I had I had a boss called Bernie Ainsworth, who was a delight to work for. But he said to me one day, he said, look, Douglas, I, I understand I can send you anywhere to talk to anybody pretty much about anything. He said, and and, and you may um, blab your way through whatever. So from now on, I don't want you to open your mouth until you've thought of three ways to solve every problem. Mm. And that for me was a life lesson. Um, mm. I know... Um, practice three ways to solve everything. Mm -hmm. uh, if I haven't got three ways, then I need to think very carefully before I open my mouth. Could this be your book that's about to come out, uh, um, do you think, or could that be a new pod podcast, actually? Uh, 
because uh, because it it is interesting in this context. There's two things that come up for me as you speak there, and the one is that is your your boss that you re, you refer to mm. there, uh, an alongsider. Yes, um, as absolutely. opposed as opposed to a this. It's sort of a you know alongside, and um, and I and in the finding your place, um, I'd suggest it's it's quite useful to have someone alongside us. Um, the guy who's um, in the dock for um, bringing about that huge um, Bitcoin scandal, mm -hmm. I understand there was no governance, there was no corporate governance as you would have in a corporate setting where somebody might be able to say, boy, have you thought you know, uh, about that, which is about risk. So the six on the Enneagram is a little skeptic. So these are the people who are aware of everything that might go wrong. But when they get their act together if you like um and mature they are the people you want in the room as you make decisions and, and by the way a six is right next to a seven so we've got access to that um so this is about awareness of that but i just wonder would, would is there any um this finding your place taking your place i just wondered how does that resonate with you and if you look at your career and your life um i i it does resonate it does resonate uh resonate i i um I think uh, when I was a younger man, I was always in a hurry for more. I, mm. I wanted more responsibility and, and the things that went with more responsibility. But but basically, I wanted more responsibility. I wanted to be freer to do more things. Mm. Uh, and clearly, none of us live any faster than we do. And we all live at the same pace, one breath at a time. Um, mm. uh, and I think... It probably took me to my 40s till, you know, they say life begins at 40. And for me, at a level, that was true. And I, I felt I had come into a level of responsibility in my working life um, that meant I wasn't always frustrated. Um, and so finding my place, uh, and part of that was through trial and error. I, I've worked for lots of different organizations and companies, and I've done different things in my life, not just in uh, commercial activities I worked in the not-for-profit sector for a while, etc. Uh, and um, variety in the spice of life, you you find your place when you are very comfortable in your own skin, you're comfortable with yourself doing what you do well, uh, and that you're given the freedom, uh, the freedom to do that. Um, and then when you found your place, uh, and that may not be a singular place, and given that life you know, moves through different seasons and times uh, as we grow older. Um, the responsibility is to take your place and to operate to the to the fullness of your ability in 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 the place you're now in. Mm -hmm. And if you think of a a place that uh, maybe in the past now, but 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 you really felt you uh, gave you joy and thrive. Could, would you? Would, is there anything that any one place that comes up particularly? I'm not saying it's any better or worse. It's just one that gave you the most joy. Um, I think uh, the most unconventional thing I did was I worked for five years for a homeless charity as the administrator of the trust. Right. And um, working with a team of people as one of the team, uh, and I looked after the kind of business side of, of the trust. So I wasn't involved in the social work or in the counseling or care of those who came through the doors of the charity. But but the joy of being involved in something that actually made a difference to people's lives. Mm. Um, I, I, and whilst at a level working for a homeless charity was an extreme example of that, every employment I've ever had a, is a bit, has been about making a difference to people's lives. Mm. So that in in the two organizations where I've been a chief executive or in the most recent example where I was on the main board of, of an organization, very conscious that, you know, somewhere between two and five thousand people depended on the, the right decisions as an employer um, that looked after the fact that you paid their mortgages and put their kids to school. And, you know, uh, all the all the things that come with life. That need to be paid for um and the success of the organization you're in whether that's a homeless charity or um a consultancy business um the success of that business is is a responsibility to look after the people who who contribute to that success with their labor yeah 
Uh, I mean, just you should mention that context because uh, the uh, in this, in January, the I think it's the third conversation we've got. Pastor Pete, uh, who founded Green Pastures, which is a homelessness charity, um, and they, in a nutshell, put um, they raised uh, a little seed amount of money uh, amongst him, himself and two others um, to buy two properties. Uh, they've now got a portfolio of, I think, something like over 50 million. And it's a buy to let for the, yeah. for, the for the homeless. And the idea is that they're going to help them get off where they, from where they are to pay the rent. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so it's a very holistic thing. So that's sort of what I'm hearing from you. Just as another um, a little thing on the on the Enneagram, it also looks because so uh, the type is probably innate. It's to do with personality, how we are, you know, or how we're composed, if you like. Um, but what we then experience in life will influence our preferences. So this is the mindset and the whole thing. And it's the neurosciences and, you know, you can go into it as much as you want. But um, fundamentally, there's three and there's one is self-preservation. The other one is one-to-one -one relationships, really key. In fact, very personal, intimate. It's called sexual within the, the mm -hmm. thing, the term. It's not meant to do with that. And then the other one's systemic. And, and what I've heard from you is this social, this systemic um, focus of your energy, uh, in it with your enterprising energy. So that's working with the system, creating and adding value, so sustaining it so that individuals can pay their mortgage etc so in a funny way there's a parallel with what this this homelessness thing and uh i wonder whether as we become more aware of what matters which is actually what's local to us what we can influence ourselves rather than trying to create world peace or something if everybody did more of that then the whole place would change it, the, the whole country would change and, and i just wondered does that how does that because i i get this sense about you you're not you said i'm a bloke doing a job but actually i want to create some outcome i want to make a difference i want to create um and i, I just wondered as you look at your next move um what would make a difference for you personally um, that would actually give you even more joy uh, in this next step, knowing what you know now. So this is a coaching frame, what's going well, what would make it even better effectively, whether it's systemic or personal. I just wondered for you, what 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 do you think you will be looking for in the next step? Um, I, I think I'm definitely looking for something that stretches me. Mm -hmm. um, I don't think you should ever stop learning. I think if you ever get to a place where you want to stop learning, it's time to die. Um, yeah. I, I, be, because life is life is rich and full of enormous opportunities to learn, and um, I quite often reflect that if I had several lives, there's so many things I'd like to be able to do, and there's only one life in which to do them. Um, so I'm hoping, uh, as I look at what comes next, um, that it becomes another opportunity to stretch. I like challenges. I, I like broken things. Um, I've done a number of turnarounds in my working life, and I've always enjoyed the sense of satisfaction that comes from taking something that looked like it was a hopeless case and turning it into something that that no longer is a hopeless case. Yeah. And I've been fortunate to be successful on, on a number of occasions doing that. So it's it's definitely about um, it's about challenge and stretching and uh, further learning as I look for the next opportunity. Mm. That uh, that's that's lovely. Um, the other thing that, that comes up for me as you say that is is this is uh, I always think that it's easier to get into something than it is to get out. Usually, um, mm -hmm. and um, actually, human beings don't like endings. I mean, fundamentally, there's there's an ultimate ending, which is a death, I suppose. But but we're not about. But you can't have a new beginning without having an in, an ending, and sometimes endings are false forced upon us yeah how is that for you well i i've been in a position on a number of times fortunately um less than less than the fingers of one hand times um uh, and I, the first time it was a bit of a shock um it, it's always been part of the part of the scene um the more senior i've been in organizations the more likelihood i am to leave um uh, uh, at short notice um 
But but what I've done about that is, you know, when when people want you to join their organization, they're very keen uh, to make sure that you get all the things that you're looking for in employment, all the benefits, et cetera, et cetera, that may come with the package they offer. Um, when people want you to leave, they want you to be as cheap as possible and out the door as fast as you can. And so um, I've always had an employment lawyer who writes my contract to make sure that my exit terms are spelled out. Uh, and, you know, I, I sit as a non-exec director uh, for the Institute of Collaborative Working. And the last stage in subjective collaborative working is having a planned exit. Yeah. Um, so the more senior you get, the more you should think through what, What's the planned exit? Because at some point in a senior role, you'll either have um, you'll either have exhausted what you can give, and and you should recognise yourself. It's time to move on, or circumstances in an organisation may change, and they decide to move you on. Um, neither of those are catastrophes uh, if you have a planned exit. Yeah. Because it's really interesting. Because I this this assumption that things will just carry on. There is an assumption that things will carry on. Um, I think it's driven by this, actually, you know, because it's driven by familiarity. The brain is fundamentally, um, do I recognise that? Do I not recognise? So in a way, this is resistance to change and the, all, all, all of this. But the thing you're talking about there very specifically is so, as I enter this, I'm also, uh, I've also got, um, it's a process, actually, it's a method that can be enacted to, enable the transition into the next the next thing um which sort of sounds for some people may, may sound you know difficult but i've noticed when i work with uh people at different stages you know very talented young folk who are looking up there and they think god do i really want to sell my soul to be out there or whatever and i say well what about you go up there and change it if it needs to be changed or whatever but the but the uh, I use sometimes use another tool actually it's called IWAM which is about motivation again but specifically in the workplace whereas Enneagram is about the whole of life it's not just about there um, and uh, there is um, a, 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 one of the attitudes is asked about is, is is your attitude towards keeping things the same this is your one of your threes keeping things the same evolution or revolution if you had to choose between keeping things the same evolution and revolution which would be your um what would how would you order those as your preference um i would never want to keep things the same and sometimes that is not a good thing um but actually i would always plump for evolution um my experience of revolution is you're in danger of breaking something mm. so um where, where i've worked in turnarounds um i've always gone for evolution now that might be quite fast-paced um, it's not millions of years to change the thing, but but um, if you if you take an organisation that's in distress and uh, revolution may actually break the thing, mm. uh, and and so um, a planned uh, at pace evolution of where you, from where you are to where you need to be, and there may be a number of milestones in that. Um, a number of stages in that so yeah i would i would plump for um evolution uh, and i'm never comfortable with the status quo but so on, on on average those those turnarounds that you you're referring to how long would you say i realized it would be 10 on the content but roughly for how many how long how many years would it take to 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 affect a a or set the thing on train to be more sustainable to turn it around you should be able to do that within two years. Okay. Um, if it's longer than two years, then then you you have different problems. Okay. So in this profile that I'm alluding to, uh, what it's what it's actually measuring is in those three things uh, is uh, probably the time mm -hmm. that one um, if one goes beyond that time, we will probably experience burnout. And burnout is often seen as being the thing that uh, is created by it, the circumstances on me. Well, actually, probably it's more about I'm not learning anything. I'm bored, actually. Uh, and um, and I'm experiencing that as being demotivating. So uh, I, the, I did this with a I did a, some coaching with a guy who's um, a, a geologist and he heads up um, Antarctic geological um, 
surveys and sampling. So he mm -hmm. does core samples in the Arctic or Antarctic, actually. Um, and some of these are 120 million years old. So his um, change cycle, as opposed to two, his is 25 years. Mm -hmm. I've never had anybody as long as that, but to me, that's commensurate with what he's doing because in the in the context. Um, and uh, and I offer this to you, but maybe your change cycle is something like two. It doesn't mean you're changing location or whatever, but you it's a new challenge probably. Yeah. And I mention this because um, this finding your place, taking your place, uh, it's also about moving on to the next one once you're in place. So being aware of your own preference and the easiest way to measure it is probably just look back down your career and just look how often you've changed. And that will probably give you a pretty good ind indication of what matters. So we can plan it. So I'm just putting that in the context of what you said around as you go into it, plan your exit and being aware that, OK, well, if it's four year, you know, change cycle in year three, begin to think about what next. So some people are very motivated about the goal beyond the goal. Yeah. It's not that you're not present to what you're doing, but at another level, it's one of your parallel lines, actually. I think it's about the being aware of tomorrow as well as today and tomorrow, uh, which is which is really interesting. Um, uh, just a completely different thing. I've just been looking at your picture behind your shoulder. That that's, can you t that, uh, that looks very intriguing. Can you, is there anything that you'd like to share with us about that? So um, it, it's, uh, I think it's 1832 etching of um, a painting that hangs in the Louvre in, in Paris. And um, it, it is the ascension of the Queen of Sheba to Solomon's throne. Oh. And uh, so if you, if you want to look at the passage in the Old Testament of the Bible, you will find this picture described in words. And the artist has... Um, the artist has set out the grandeur of Solomon, the wisest man who ever was, uh, and um, the Queen of Sheba who came uh, bringing gifts of great great wealth um, in exchange for his learning. And um, I found it in a junk shop in Long Melford and paid 50 quid for it. And um, it hangs behind my desk uh, because I, I, I like it. And one of the things I like about art, and if I were to swing around in the room, you see lots of pictures because I like art, um, I like pictures that you can look at for a long time and continue to see different things in. Mm -hmm. It piques curiosity, but that that's the background to uh, to the picture that you see over my shoulder. But, and what's particularly appealing about it? Um, <clears throat> I, I think um, I think the creation, the creativeness of the artist to visualize um, a passage from the Bible, which you know, people sometimes think might be dull and dry and not very interesting. And actually, um, this historical event, uh, whether literal or not, um, has huge, huge learning and huge interest. Uh, and all that Solomon did uh, with the wisdom and the proverbs and all the different things, uh, I like all of that. Mm. What about it do you like? I like the fact that it sets out thinking for life. So, you know, Solomon's attributed, again, if I take another book of the Bible, he's attributed with um, a lot of proverbs. He, he's attributed to write the book of Ecclesiastes, which um, famously quotes meaningless, meaningless, everything is meaningless, which sounds downright miserable. Mm. But actually, it's quite a profound reflection on the human experience uh, and the drive for... Um, what satisfies mm. uh, and and you know people want to fill life and Solomon tried to fill life with money sex and power um and still came up wanting uh and um the closing comment of Solomon's book is remember your creator in the days of your youth mm. uh, and you know for me there there is um there's a matter of faith involved in all of that personal faith uh, that I think sets context for life um, in an eternal dimension rather than just uh, here and now and maybe tomorrow. Why do you think in that last verse there you quoted <clears throat> there that it's referring to youth? Um, or including youth? I think the younger you start at something, the better. Uh, and um, one can discover faith at any point in life or context for living. Um, 
and whilst whilst I talk about a Christian faith because I have a Christian faith, and that's not to negate others who have a different kind of faith, yeah. but it but it's about um, morals and values and foundations for living, uh, and the more clear you are in your youth about values and moral foundations for living, uh, the more likely you are to be successful. Yeah, uh, because you're less distracted. <clears throat> And uh, and destructive as well, I would suggest as well. Yes. Um, um, it's interesting, the, the, the Eugene Peterson, who uh, wrote a paraphrase of the Bible, uh, which uh, called The Message, uh, which I must say I, I, I like a lot. And it's in the street language. It's directly from the Greek, um, which was written in, in, in the, the language of the street, not anything highfalutin, really. And he calls, um, he translates that wisdom word in that context as skills in living. And I think that's what you said as well. And and I and uh, the earlier we can get that, um, as you say, to apply as we make decisions. Um, um, I I talk about in, in my sort of coaching context is sort of working in and working on. So in is the 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 day to day, which is your today thing. And then at some point we need to think have a chance to think on. So what's going well? What will make it even better? That's a place of reflection. Uh, reflection. But I think the. Um, I was. I've got a friend of mine who uh, I know through working together. She's a, a very good marketeer. Um, she's a strict perfectionist, so it's a one on the enneagram. Uh, and the, the the trigger for the 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 one is if they can't do the right thing, they get angry. It's a righteous anger. It's not a sort of, you know whatever. But anyway, and she's a lovely person. She's involved in a thing called personal. Um, it's effectively personal. It's personal initiative, and it was devised by a professor of business uh, studies, um, and they've been applying it in uh, in um, sub-Saharan Africa in areas where there's absolute poverty. It's not about get me a job, uh, do a job. There ain't any jobs, you know. So the only way you're going to feed yourself is to create a job. So in other words, this is being more of an entrepreneur, which means you've got to make the first start, etc. So um and i was uh, she comes up to me uh, she she in my mind she comes up in in this thing that whole mindset of me being a, an entrepreneur so that i can feed my family and so that i can connect with someone else who's got well oh, that'll be useful if i got a brush i'll give them some of this and this is called bartering so, so now you begin to create an economy locally that begins to sustain and support the community um, which is life. It's where life is experienced. And I wonder whether that sort of um, um, entrepreneurial uh, mindset um, could be an antidote to, and now this is going to sound terrible, but um, the welfare state where, you know, he will always look after me, you know, the, or the whatever the, uh, the thing. And actually, what you were describing about adding value to people is about bringing some energy that that actually gets things going. Now, you and I have talked about faith in some of our previous conversations. Uh, when my son-in-law encouraged me to start a podcast, he said, uh, and uh, do the website and write a book, he said, oh, by the way, include your faith in this. Um, so you you mentioned it. Um, and, and the thing that I've noticed is that there's a lovely joke, uh, which was um, uh, a person um, um, was arguing down here about this or that, you know, Buddha's right or he's right or whatever it is, shaman's right. Or and they got up to the, you know, the next stage. Um, and uh, and the first thing this person said, that's what I meant. <laughs> so uh, I often say, because you never underestimate the, the capacity of human beings to misunderstand each other. And I just wondered if that's ever resonate, or if that resonates with you in your journey of, you know, finding your place and taking your place and and moving on. Um, I, I think it's easy to be to be misunderstood, um, <clears throat> and I think one of the challenges, um, you know, one of the things that characterises me is I can be off at pace, are we over the top of the hill? I'm wondering why everybody else is still at the bottom of the hill. And the answer is probably because I haven't communicated very clearly at all, mm. or they have misunderstood what I said. Yeah. Uh, and you know, I, I have um, 
in my in my younger years, uh, a friend who who's now long gone was an older man, and and he used to talk about putting the emphasis on the wrong syllable, uh, and <clears throat> I really like that um, because quite often what we've got is um, my emphasis is, is different to your emphasis, and we put the emphasis on the wrong syllable, um, when actually we we share a common humanity. Uh, that requires us to behave well, that should require us to behave well. We don't always, as we can see from a fairly broken world. Yeah. Um, but yes, it's it's easy to be misunderstood. And, and unpicking that becomes challenging because you need to get off your high horse um, and, and you need a bit of humility to go and say, look, I, I think you may have misunderstood me or I think I may have got this wrong. Um, and that's, um, it takes a big person to do that. And, and uh, that's one of the challenges. Because you said, uh, I'm at the top of the hill and there's other people at the bottom. The, the, actually, the typical of the seven is that you're on the next hill and everybody else is on the last hill. <laughs> you're, and you're seeing over the day. So there's something about... So it's about meeting people where they are, which is sort of a big part. And it's about presence. Um, but I just wanted... Uh, you just uh, said about being misunderstood. We talk about being misunderstood. Um if we don't fit, uh, we get rejected. There's probably only two things, uh, maybe, is the ultimate root of all of what we experience in the world, I'd suggest, maybe, is one of um, where I'm uh, experiencing rejection. Uh, and it's either that that we're experiencing or it's rebellion. And there's a there's a bit of a binary, actually. Or actually, or the other one is it's love, actually, and which is about inclusion and, and fundamentally there. But I just, how do you deal with um, on those occasions when um, whoever has decided that they don't want you in the room anymore and it's time for you to move or whatever, uh, in whatever context, how do you deal with with, uh, with that? And I, I ask the question because I'm sure a lot of our people listening to this, as they find their place and take their place, they may have come as they find their place from a place of bruising and, you know, rejection or, or whatever in some way. So I just wonder, how do you... Um, find yourself, uh, find your place in that way, or get your thinking into a place where you, you're really looking about well, what would characterise a really good next step? I think um, I think it's very like a grieving process. Mm -hmm. um, uh, and you go through stages of sadness and anger and um, uh, frustration, and, um, and, and you need to just recognise that those are natural things. I think... The first time this happened to me, the, 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 the largest thing I began to understand about myself that I, I would have denied to a certain extent previously was um, about where I took my value as a person from. Mm -hmm. And the more my values associated with my job title or my position or my standing in whatever room we're talking about, um, when that goes, the greater the injury to my pride, my ego, my mm -hmm. sense of self-worth, when actually it's just a job or it's just a role and it, it's gone, fundamentally you're the same person with the same values. So um, <clears throat> that doesn't deny the emotions of, of grieving about something that happens and being angry about some of the things that happen and lying awake at night thinking, well, I would have done this or I could have done that. And um, But actually, fundamentally, I'm still me. Uh, mm. And um, that that understanding of who you are in yourself that's the inside out thing again it's, it's if you're comfortable with who you are in your own skin then you'll bounce back from these things and actually everybody can bounce back yeah um, if you fall over in the street uh unless you've died you'll stand up again or get yeah. up again and get on with it uh, well, there's another story in the Bible, which is where <laughs> someone was beaten up and fell on the street and everything else and actually received some help. Yes. And, help um, and this this podcast is called Alongsider. Yeah. Uh, and that is intentional as I, you know, it's it's the coach, it's the mentor, it's the shaman, it's the elder, the priest. Whatever. I just wonder, who do you turn to? Do you have any particular people or type of person that you turn to other than your own sort of reflection on these things yeah uh, i i've got some very i've got some well i've been married to the same girl for more than 40 years and and um she's my number one alongside her and, yeah. and I'm, I'm blessed with a stable and happy relationship there 
Uh, and outside of that, I have a number of friends um, who uh, I've, I've had for a long time, um, and um, I value their input. Uh, what, what qualities do you value in them as people? Um, I value their wisdom and their humility. Mm. Um, I value the fact that they are accessible and available and and more than willing to come alongside to use to use that that expression um and to walk some of the difficult paths with you and to help you think through um you know if you live in the forest it's hard to see the trees and seeing wood from trees becomes a challenge in your personal life and mm -hmm. sometimes um sometimes we need somebody to come alongside now for me that has been um, my wife and it has been um friends um uh, for others it has been counselors or um people who provide uh, specialist and expert services uh, which are equally valid and helpful on occasions in our lives yeah 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 and and um i was thinking uh, sort of to go to the next step there i mean one of the one of the purposes i hope that this podcast will um Pays, play some small part in is helping each of us be alongside us because as a, uh, when I coach somebody I would always say I believe you are already a good coach of yourself and maybe you could be even better but I think we could take the word coach out um in fact funnily enough um um it, I was talking in a conversation this week about this what is it we're doing in a coaching conversation well it's it is actually um um work yeah uh, and there's graft there's you know there's, there's of that but in terms of how would you spot someone who has the potential for being a really good alongsider within the organization say um because ultimately i'd suggest you the quality of the alongsiders which we might call leadership or we might call different labels but ultimately that will determine um how you know successful the organization is in achieving its desired outcomes. Uh, uh, so um, I normally look to see where the followers are, who's following. Mm. Um, uh, and, you know, you can have a badge that says, I'm a leader with all sorts of titles. If nobody's following you, you're not a leader. Mm. Uh, and so I think of, I think of uh, one place I was recently um, uh, and uh, the youngest person in the office was clearly the leader. Um, and all the social activity and all the fun um, was organized and led by this person. And when people were in trouble, this is the person they went to. Yeah. Now, um, th th there was clearly more formal leadership in the organization that, that did other things. But, but that's how you spot. So that particular individual, um, uh, she has all the potential uh, as she as she grows in years and wisdom. And um, but the the uh, the embryonic uh, alongsiders just inherently there. And yeah. so that I look for who's following. Who are they following? Yeah. Yeah, and that's lovely. I think that 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 really is because um, spotting good, you know, the right fit and everything else is key to any kind of growth, good growth. Um, what what just came up for me, if it's okay to share, um, when you were speaking just then, was how you describe. We're not going to personalize this in any way, but there's one person who uh, you asked me to support, um, and uh, a young person died very uh, unexpectedly. And I remember you um, just reporting on your admiration or appreciation yeah. of the the way the place that person took. And in fact, it was the same thing because I've heard from others, you know, how they experienced that. Um, and I just wondered, could you? Um, I just died. Well, what are the qualities of that of that person who took that place that that, that you 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 recognise? Um. So the, they took responsibility in the most tragic of circumstances mm -hmm. uh, and they stood up uh, and 
by their actions, not by their words, by their behavior and their actions. They made it clear, I'm the leader and I'm here to help all of us through these circumstances. And I'm available. I'm available to the organization as a whole, but I'm available uh, as an individual um, if you want to come and talk. Uh, and, uh, and then to, uh, alongside the human side of that, um, take responsibility for all the bureaucracy that comes with that. There are things that need to be sorted out. There are families associated. There's insurances and there's policies and there's all kinds of bureaucracy that actually you want to protect the grieving from, but it needs to be dealt with. Mm. Uh, and then um, making sure that everything that could be done was done decently and in order. Mm. Uh, and I just was, uh, and communicated well. And I think I, I was hugely impressed that this particular individual stepped up on all of those fronts uh, and the quality of his communication was exemplary. Mm. It's interesting, uh, the, the particular person is a two mm. on the Enneagram. Uh, so that's a considerate helper. And the thing about the two, three, and the four is these are relational. These are feeling types. Uh, the top three are action. And he did act. Mm. So, uh, and he thought. He would have thought. So it enshrines all of those mm -hmm. aspects. because. As we bring this conversation to a, cl a, clo a close, I can't help feeling what, what, what I'm reflecting on. And here is a person who is whole uh, in thinking, in relating, and in action. Uh, because if there's no action, then, well, nothing's going to get done, nothing's going to change or whatever. And it's about being encouraged to act, um, ultimately, um, contextually, in the right way. I just wondered, as, a, um, as, as you progress because you've got a lot, you know, a long, long way to go. I'm particularly interested in the third stage of uh, of our life. So the first stage, um, as seen by the Eastern traditions generally, is we learn our craft. And then the middle stage, we apply it, uh, which is a career, a business, or whatever we do. And then uh, and then the third stage, we, 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 we shift into another. There's a transition, and there may be an overlap, but there's a transition to a third stage. And I'm very interested in that because I've noticed there's a lot of, very experienced, very talented, very human, um, you know, um, uh, energies um, that say, well, I'm not going to retire. Um, retraite is the French word for that, which is sort of something about stepping back. But actually, again, that picture, Solomon was, was stood back and saw the whole thing, you know, when the, in the different stories we hear about. He also made pretty big cock up actually at various stages which for which there were consequences but that's another story which is being human um you know mm -hmm. and it's what happens beyond it but um who would be um for you um from history fictional or um um you know um past or present um who would be your harry potter got a magic one uh, go-to person you would love to have alongside at you when you were finding your place and taking your place? My goodness, that's a big question. Um, and it's hard to pin down to uh, an individual. Uh, I've been fortunate to have two very significant people who influenced my my um, growth. Uh, I mentioned Bernie Ainsworth by name. Um, mm. uh, the other person uh, indirectly was the chief executive of Atkins at the time I worked for Atkins and and was a, a superb role model mm. um, and uh, but from history um, do you know I, I'm tempted to say Mother Teresa mm. um, I, I I think of somebody who who lived a life of poverty by choice, but made a huge difference in the world. Mm. Uh, and, and you know, the Mother Teresas of this world, uh, I think, would teach us a lot. Um, I think that's a, a wonderful choice. Uh, a lot of people would say that, um, you know, of, of goodness, you know. But mm -hmm. interestingly, just using the Enneagram as this speaks, uh, somebody who I follow, who's Richard Rohr, who is an expert mm -hmm. on the, yeah. the Enneagram, is Franciscan. Um, he says that most 
people would immediately think, and he did, that Mother Teresa was a considerate helper. Mm -hmm. But actually, uh, he says that in reality she was an eight, which is the uh, which is the controller. And apparently she was in the school, which was in where, where there's a wall that divided rest of the place from where she was. So she was in this enclosed place, which was effectively a convent in the school. And she would look over the, the wall onto the other side, she said, and she saw people dying in the streets and said, that's messy. I'm going to take control of that. <laughs> that's what she did. She stepped in yeah. and did something about it. Where the world would say, "Why would you want to get there?" You know, in other words, your challenge thing. Yeah. Um, I always think the people who choose their heroes, which is sort of what we did just then, in a way, uh, and we admire those qualities in that other person, is because they're already in you. Because in fact, the mirror cells in the brain, we can't actually recognize the thing in the other unless it's here, because there has to be this mirror connection of it. So I would suggest that all of those things, this desire to um, uh, take something that looks in a bit of a mess or broken, um, something that's clearly a challenge and bring order to it um, is actually what you bring to the party. And uh, and I think that's brilliant. And wherever you do decide to take your place, those people associated with that will be, uh, I would suggest you, um, uh, extremely pleased with their choice if they accept you in. And um, I just want to thank you so much for for participating in this. We never know what's going to emerge, but it's been a, um, I don't know, uh, how was this for you, this conversation? It's been a pleasure. And, and um, you know, you and I have never had any difficulty chatting no. and chewing the fat. And, <laughs> um, and so it's been a pleasure to do that. Uh, and I hope if some of my wittering uh, is is helpful to, to those who listen, um, uh, and I'm always, you know, I'm always happy to help. Um, so uh, I work as an alongsider on a lot of different ways. Um, and it's it's something I recognize the value of. And uh, so I hope um, I hope our conversation beyond just being an enjoyable uh, conversation is of help to folk. And um, if we can be of help, we'd be happy to do so. Brilliant. Well, on the on the podcast, you can see uh, and on the LinkedIn, there's uh, details of uh, Douglas if you want to if you want to get hold of him through LinkedIn, um, which I'm sure he'd be happy to uh, to respond to. Um, but for now, uh, Douglas McCormack, um, thank you so much. It's been a real pleasure um, talking to you today. Many thanks. Thank you, Philip. Thank you.